You are listening to Boss Tone Radio, Talk for Guitar, presented by BossUS.com. Hi, Paul Hansen here. I'll be your host today, and thank you for listening to the show. Today on the line, we've got Donna Grantis from the band called Third Eye Girl. Third Eye Girl is the female trio who now plays with the iconic artist Prince. So she's coming to us from Minneapolis, the uh, home of the famous Paisley Park Studios. And I want to plug Donna's solo album called Sweets, S-U-I-T-E-S. And you can get it wherever fine albums are sold. So uh, without further ado, let's get Donna on the phone and find out what's going on. How's it going, Donna? Oh, it's going great. I'm in Minnesota right now, and um, I've been playing, rehearsing, and recording a lot with Third Eye Girl. That's the new band with um, Hannah Ford on drums, Eden Nielsen on bass, and uh, Prince on guitar and vocals. And vocals. Now, Hannah is from Kentucky, you're from Canada, and is it Ida? She's the bass player? Ida, and she's from Denmark. Denmark. So you girls are a pretty eclectic bunch. Culturally, is it all work? Oh, yeah. I mean, we all get along so well. You know, when we first met, when we first jammed, there was like a lot of, you know, chemistry. And Mm -hmm. we've been just spending so much time together from, you know, rehearsing and recording and playing together all day long. and, And also... You know, outside of playing, just hanging out a lot, too. So we, yeah. we had a lot of fun together. I've seen some videos of Third Eye Girl. You three girls are such a solid, cohesive unit. We feel really fortunate to play together musically. Like, we inspire each other so much. I think Hannah and Ida are, you know, two of the greatest musicians ever oh. had the, you know, the opportunity to play with. And we, you know, we have so much fun off stage too. You're rehearsing a lot. Is Prince usually there? Uh, yeah. You know, sometimes he leaves us to work on some new arrangements or to lift some new tunes. Mm-hmm. But we do a lot of jamming all together. And he's like really hands on when it comes to working out arrangements. So that is, that's really cool to just see him really in his element. Yeah. You know, arranging a song on the spot. Yeah, that must be really cool. Not only is Prince iconic, but he's obviously a serious pro who really knows what he's doing. Absolutely. He's like an absolutely like brilliant musician, phenomenal guitar player, and he's phenomenal on every instrument, you know, keys, <laughs> drums, bass, as a producer and as a band leader too. Does he ever, you know, grab his guitar and say, Donna, no, play it like this? Sometimes. Sometimes, you know, he has some different ideas of of what he wants to hear, and he'll show me some parts to play. Sometimes he'll, you know, give me the the freedom to to do my own thing, or Mm -hmm. sometimes it's a combination of both, too, where he'll tell me about an idea, like um, try, try playing some unison bends in this section, or... Use your Ebo on this part. I just take that idea and run with it. 
hey, let's go back in time and talk about your past. Um, okay. You're from Toronto, and I noticed that the Vancouver Canadian bands like BTO, Loverboy, Nickelback, they're like multiple people in the band, but uh, the Toronto bands like Rush, uh, Mahogany Rush with Frank Marino, Triumph, they're all trios. And you've been in trios a lot. Is this a coincidence? Hmm, I don't know. Um, <laughs> when I put my trio together, the electric band, right. it was because I wanted to just have a really small group uh, for mm-hmm. improvising. I wanted to I wanted to just have the, the challenge of putting myself into a you know a musical situation where I didn't have keys supporting me or right. another guitar. So right. I wanted to you know try to cover all of that ground. Yeah, it gives you um, lots of space. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean I, I'm a huge Hendrix fan huge Zeppelin fan. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in those bands too. Just guitar, bass, and drums. Yeah, bass, drums, and guitar. So when you were a kid, I heard that your brother had an acoustic guitar and you bought the tab for Stairway to Heaven and and uh, learned on your own, but you didn't let the notes ring into each other. You just kind of played it staccato each note one at a time. Yes. Yeah, I just, I, I got the tab and you know, try to try to teach myself, and and then you're right. Like when I when I played that <laughs> intro, the the concept of barring the chord was uh, was pretty foreign to me. Yeah, you didn't know. <laughs> I didn't learn that until my first lesson about six months later, and then it it all made sense. But yeah, I jumped into Stairway to Heaven, and I made mm-hmm. a deal with my dad. He said, like, I really wanted to play the electric guitar, uh-huh. and so he said, if I learn one song completely perfectly he would buy me an electric and in retrospect i don't know why i picked an eight minute song but i didn't think about <laughs> that at the time i was just yeah. about you know how awesome that that song is that's a you know epic tune yeah big time so um you gravitated as a kid to hendrix and clapton and zeppelin you know jeff beck yeah were your friends listening to pop and dance music um I think I think my friends had a had a really eclectic mix uh-huh. of influences. You know, some of my friends are at the time were really into classic rock. Mm-hmm. Some were into like nineties grunge. Some were into oh, yeah. like sort of in, more indie indie pop bands. But I think you know, growing up with with two older brothers, oh yeah, you know, and just hearing like what what they were listening to and checking out the CDs that they had in their collection. That's what Yeah. That's what I used to do. Yeah, I mean when it comes to like really amazing guitar playing too, mm-hmm. you know, getting into all that classic rock stuff I think is is where it's at. Oh, definitely. So you went to McGill University in Montreal. Yes. Is that far from Toronto? Yeah, it's about uh six hours. Six hours. I can really tell you're Canadian because in Canada, the word that really jumps out is the way you say about or in the house. <laughs> That's what Hannah always, Hannah and Ida always tease me about it, but I still don't hear it. I, I haven't heard you say, <laughs> I put my toque on, eh? That, right. <laughs> but that's mostly Vancouver. You guys don't say A so much in Toronto. A little bit. I guess I catch myself once in a while. Uh, 
<laughs> so um, you went to this college, and oh my gosh, you got a bachelor's degree in uh, jazz performance. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. The thing that, that I really loved and still love about music is improvising. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I checked out what I could study in university, that's when I, I really started learning about jazz. You know, mm-hmm. prior to that, I was, you know, I played a lot of rock. I played a lot of blues, too. And I knew that blues was sort of the the foundation for jazz. So I studied with a, a private teacher uh-huh. for a while and, you know, learned about uh, seventh chords and, you know, different modes and arpeggios and yeah. some jazz tunes and stuff like that. And really, really loved it. So then prepared for my audition to McGill, and it was awesome because while I was there, I studied theory, musicianship, I took private lessons, Mm -hmm. and we had like ensemble classes where we would play jazz standards, you know, in different combos. And Did you ever get a, a real book and learn all those standards? Yeah, I had a real book and, uh, <laughs> Man. you know, learned, um, you know, all the things you are and oh wow, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Oh my gosh, that stuff is so hard. Can you, like all the things you are, can you play over those changes, like solo and stuff over that stuff? Yeah, yeah, that's what, you know, the, the main focus of, of studying mm-hmm. was to be able to learn how to improvise over, you know, all of these different right. chords and, you know, string it all together in a really musical way. So if you see an altered dominant chord, you might go up a half step and play melodic minor to get the altered scale? Yeah, and, you know, I, everybody sort of thinks about that stuff differently. Yeah, I always prefer to think about the chord, like the chord is the root chord. So if, if for example, if I'm playing C altered, Mm-hmm. I, rather than thinking about the parent melodic minor scale, I like mm-hmm. to think about C altered. So that would be... The sharp nine or flat nine or sharp exactly. five? Exactly. Uh-huh. Yes. Like you've got the third, the flat seven in there, flat yeah. nine, sharp nine, flat five, sharp five. I tend to think, yeah, in that sort of scale you know, relationship I think way. that's so amazing because, you know, I've watched you on YouTube and you just rock, but it's amazing that you're one of those people that can solo over the jazz stuff too that's just amazing oh thanks i think it it's all related and and that my jazz studies really helped out immensely Mm -hmm. in uh playing with prince and third eye girl because we do a ton of improvising in this group you know because Uh it's so small we can open up the arrangements at any time and and jam out and Prince really loves to do that. So when we're on stage, he randomly calls out for any of us to solo at any time <laughs> over over any part of the tune. Um, so we really have to be prepared for anything. Uh, yeah, that's what I've heard about Prince is that he'll just call out a different song or, yeah, maybe a drum solo for Hannah. Yeah. <laughs> I just read that you play 11 through 49 gauge strings. Yeah. Is that true? Your hands must be really strong. Um, I mean, I just play nines, and yeah. my and my hands get tired. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess my hands don't really get tired because I've I just play so much on such a regular basis. Uh huh. Um, but when I 
when I first started playing guitar, after a few years, when I got my second electric, I put 13s oh my on gosh. my old guitar. And then I tried to play, you know, all the songs that I knew on that gauge of strings, just to strengthen my fingers. Wow. Um, and then I would go back, you know, at the time I was experimenting with like playing nines, tens, or elevens. And it was really cool because, you know, after after spending a few hours on routines, yeah. when you switch back, it, you know, it feels like super fast and, and really smooth and, and a lot easier to play. Yeah. But I, I like playing strings that are a little bit heavier um, because of the tone. I think it's just a really nice balance between right. like a bit of a fatter tone. Yeah. Yeah. It's but, one of the secrets to Stevie Ray Vaughan's tone is just those yeah. fat strings. But at the same time, Hendrix played nines, I think, right? And his tone is... Yeah, you know what? And during that era, I think he might have even had an eight on the high E. And hmm, I use nines, so you're playing the more manly strings than me. (laughs) (laughs) So um, getting the gig with Prince, I heard, okay, you had your band, your electric band... Did I heard Prince asked Hannah, the drummer, to find a guitar player. Was was Hannah Prince's drummer at that point? Yes. So he asked her, go out and find a guitar player. Is that what happened? Yeah, exactly. She found you on YouTube videos? Yep. Um, her and her husband, Joshua, were looking around online, and they saw my videos and, and checked out my website and forwarded my info to Prince, and then... He invited me out to Paisley Park to jam. And then ever wow. since then, it's just been like full steam ahead. When you first were contacted, I heard that you thought someone was playing a practical joke on you. Uh, well, since I wasn't, I wasn't totally sure, you know, yeah. if, if it was true, true, because it came, you know, the message came in the form of an email. Uh-huh. Um, so when I first got the message, I was like, is this hmm. for real? And, you know... <laughs> It led to a phone call, you know, which led to a... Was it Hannah who called? It was Hannah and and her husband, Joshua. And um, did they then send plane tickets? I got a short list of songs to learn. Uh Uh-huh. And then, yeah, and then my flight was was booked out to Minnesota. And I went out and ended up staying over here for about a week was the length of the first trip. And... That whole week, we were just playing, like, all day, all night. <laughs> wow. Were, were you, you staying in a really nice hotel and everything first class? Of course. <laughs> um, you know, it's a really it's a really nice, like, neighborhood out here. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're all taken care of, you know, yeah. staying in a, in a nice hotel. It's beautiful out here. Wow. Now, I know in um, the Donna Grantis Electric Band, what I was impressed when I was kind of researching about your story is that you had toured in Europe, but then a promoter in Holland, this is before you got into Prince's band, a promoter in Holland thought you were just great. And so did he hire a bass player and drummer and then fly you out to Holland and you toured Holland by yourself? Yeah, so... From touring over in Europe, like with some other artists that I've played with, I met with a guy named Martin Philippus from Amsterdam Music Promoters. Uh-huh. And yeah, we worked together to set up a tour for my electric band. And, you know, this being my, my first tour in Europe. As a solo artist, right? Yeah, I decided to go with a rhythm section 
from Holland instead mm-hmm. of bringing over my band from Toronto. Mm-hmm. So we were both looking for different musicians to play with. And yeah, and it worked out really, really well. I played with a bass player. His name's Baron Courbois. He's really fantastic. And a drummer named uh, Sander Van Truen. And yeah, we played like all throughout the Netherlands and Luxembourg. So you were probably, were you in your early 20s at that time? Yes. So here you are going and doing gigs, but... I guess you were you were almost a veteran at that point. You played with Cardinal Official. Yeah. Yeah, he's a hip-hop guy from Toronto, but his parents are from Jamaica. Yeah, that's right. And you toured with Divine Brown and Amanda Marshall. So you toured a lot and done a lot of gigs. You know, just from just from like being so, you know, immersed in music and making it really like the the focus of Of your whole life. There were many times where I was the musical director of a project or a band leader. And so doing that on my own and and going over to Europe just felt like a really natural Uh thing and a really fun thing, too. For me, it was just so cool and so fun to, to have the opportunity to play music that was really like open and sort of drew from a bunch of different influences from like jazz, rock, blues, fusion, and put it all together. Hey, let's talk about gear. You you play Paul Reed Smith guitars and your main guitar you named Electra. It's a CE-22. Yes. Does that mean it, it has 22 frets? Exactly. And then you also have a PRS Starla model. Are these guitars stock? Uh, The Starla is stock. Mm -hmm. And the CE, I've had had a little bit of work done to it. So I've got uh, the 5708 pickups Uh in there, which are really awesome. And then I had a couple of upgrades, like locking tuners. Like Spurzel-type tuners? What's that? You tighten the tuner at the back of the headstock? Uh, no, it's more like a locking system. You mean like a Floyd Rose? No, not like that. It's sort of its own thing. I haven't huh. seen these tuners on any other guitars, actually. But, you know, really easy and fast to, to change strings. Like, you just kind of put the string straight up through the tuner, and then give it a couple turns, it locks right in. You must have a serious full-time guitar tech now. Yes, I do. I saw a picture of your pedal boards and they look they look daunting <laughs> yeah they do so my my tech his name's todd baker and yeah. he's he's awesome the the tech who built my boards his name is craig pattison he's from toronto uh-huh. yeah i have three pedal boards right. um, of 20 pedals now there's no switching system that i could see it looks like if you want to turn on a pedal you actually press the pedal Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and so this is something that, you know, I was talking about with Craig, you know, quite a lot before, you know, we, we designed the three boards that I have now. I really wanted to have the flexibility and control to, like, instantly access any of the pedals on the board and any combination of them. Mm-hmm. So I decided not to go for that switching system at this point. Wow, that's and cool. And it's, it's been working out great. You also play a Canadian amp, the Trainer. Yeah, I do. I play a combination of vintage trainers. Huh. I've been working with a guy who's kind of like my, my Roger Mayer. His name is Pat Ferlin. Roger Mayer was Jimi Hendrix's yeah guru. Exactly. And with Pat, mm-hmm. 
got a few vintage trainer bass masters from the 70s. Oh, and, really? And we worked together where he would mod the amp in a way that, you know, he thought I would like, and I'd play it for a bit and then give him some feedback. And we went back and forth several times until we found the, the amp that was the wow. one. Wow. And... You know, I played in bands in the 70s, and I think my bass player... You know, we live in Seattle, and if you get stuff from Canada in the 70s, it was less, you know, the Canadian dollar wasn't as strong as the American dollar. So we could buy, he bought a trainer amp for like 200 bucks, and it might have been, uh, what did you call the bass master? The bass master. Has grill cloth on the front and the knobs yes. on top? I don't know. Wow. So is that your main amp now? That, that's my main amp. I, I play a combination of the vintage heads along with the 50th anniversary reissues uh-huh. that are super cool. And I just, I love the, I love the tone. The, the reissues were actually influenced by the vintage trainers that were modded. These have EL34s in them? Yes. Do you have switchable channels on your trainer amp? No, I don't. So because of my, you know, my pedal board, and uh-huh. I really like to, you know, control and have access to, like, different flavors of overdrive. What I right. wanted was to have an amazing amp that I loved the tone of when it was clean. Something with that had a lot of articulation, like if I hit it hard, it would have, would sort of drive a bit compared to if I, if I played soft. Yeah, really dynamic. Yeah, something with a lot of sustain, too. I like clarity, but I also prefer like a bit of a, a darker, like fatter, yeah. like a bit more vintage kind of tone. So that's what I think these amps really have. On the reissues, it's really cool because there are two different channels. It's not like one's clean and, and one's overdriven. One is right. sort of bright and one's a bit darker. So you can co- kind of combine the level. You can play each channel individually you know plugging into channel one or channel two or you can plug into kind of jump them both yeah exactly and that's the setting that i really like so i usually kind of dial in a darker tone and then i just bring up like the volume of the brighter sound just a bit to blend so in. so donna you you get basically kind of a clear not quite clean sound right um And then you use your pedals. Exactly. Wow, that's so cool. I just bought your album yesterday, and uh, thanks. Yeah, it's really good. When you when I first heard about it, I was thinking, well, it's called Sweets, and I thought Seas Candies or something like that. And but it's no, it's Sweets like Hotel Suite or Room Suite or like Musicals. Musical Sweets. Yeah, of course. uh, It's sort of like five songs make up a suite. I was I was imagining like writing music for a vinyl record almost and like yeah, so Sweet One was like side one of a vinyl record. And Sweet One you use Electra and then Sweet Two you use your Starla. Yeah. I actually for the most part Well I look on the the song title, right to the to the right of it, it says It'll say, I think it says the guitar that you played. Um, yeah, the suites are called, there's the Electra Suite and the Starla Suite. So they're named so, after your guitars. Yeah, and, and the Starla Suite was, a lot of that music was inspired by the guitar, like when I first, when I first got it. 
Uh-huh. It sort of changed the way that I play. It has a Bigsby on it. So that opened up a lot of, you know, a lot more possibilities of cool things to do. Yeah, and just the feel of the guitar and the sound of it inspired most of, of the music in that suite. So you've got tons of pedals. Can we talk about a few of the Boss pedals? Yeah, for sure. So I use Boss Blues Driver, the BD2. Right. I noticed that on your Sweets album, you have a range of different distortions. And do you use the blues driver for more of the clear kind of, you know, unfuzzy type gain? Um, I actually, I got the blues driver after I started playing with Prince and Third Eye Girl. Oh. Because, you know, with some of the songs that we were playing, I needed a drive pedal, like a distortion, that was really saturated and really heavy. Interesting. So that's that's why I chose the BB2. The way that I have that pedal set up is I, I usually have like the tone at 12 o'clock mm-hmm. um, and the gain cranked almost to the max. Oh, wow. Um, and then I set the level... Down a little bit? Like 10, 10 o'clock or something? Yeah, usually around 10. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I use it for some songs that we play that needed to have just a huge sound, almost like a, like a wall of, guitar, of guitars kind of, yeah. um, kind of sound for like really heavy rhythm. Wow. Yeah, and the cool thing is I have my amp set up in stereo. Oh. And... That comes in handy, and I'm playing through, like, usually four to eight heads and cabs when we perform. Are you serious? So, wow. Yeah, so it's pretty <laughs> monstrous. So when I, you know, when I when I play this pedal, it's just huge <laughs> from across the stage. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So it not only adds gain, but it, it boosts your volume? Yeah. I notice your speaker cabinet, you use a trainer slant cabinet. Do you have a whole bunch of those? Yeah, I have um I have eight of those that I use. Oh my gosh. Did the did those have two twelves, one kind of slanted and, and one going straight? Yeah, they're two twelves. And I really like slanted cabs, um, because I find I can just hear my sound a lot better. Right. They spread your sound upward a little bit. Yeah, which is really cool. And these are closed-back cabinets, right? Yep, they are. So those are so directional, but having the slant, really, it spreads it up. Yeah, and I used to play through open-back cabs, which I really like because I find that the sound is almost 360 degrees right. other than so directional. Right. But playing through, like, four to eight cabs, <laughs> that sort of creates that that you're being enveloped already (laughs) yeah i notice you get a little bit more of a thump you know kind of a bottom end which kind of fattens your tone up if you have a back on the cabinet yeah and also just having the cab like on stage or on a flat surface on the ground rather than up on a riser makes a huge difference in Mm -hmm. just adding like bottom end right so i also notice you have a, a bf3 boss flanger yeah, that's that's super cool too. So I use that one more more as an effect mm-hmm. um, than as like a straight up, you know, flanger kind of tone. The way that I that I use that one is with the momentary. Oh, 
yeah, so you just hold the pedal down and it flanges, then you lift up the, and it stops flanging. Exactly, yeah. Wow. It's like the Eddie Van Halen first album where he would do that. He'd turn his flanger on just for the effect and then lift it up. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it just adds like so much, you know, either in the middle of solos. Yeah. Really cool. Or like at the, you know, for big endings, Uh you know, and like it creates this sort of like swirly effect. Yeah. It's almost like a jet plane kind of sound. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and actually, you know, I heard that song on record. Sound, yeah. And, you know, I was kind of stumped for a while trying to figure out, like, what, you know, what is that? It does sound like a jet or almost like <laughs> a motorcycle, you know? So uh, yeah. I was sort of on a, on a hunt checking out some different pedals until <laughs> I realized that it was this particular setting. Yeah, the BF3. Do you use, I think, that, well, there's different flanging modes. There's one called Ultra, which is massively wide. Do you use that one? Yeah. Ultra. Just, yeah. Yeah. And kind of maybe a, a little bit slower of a speed. Yeah. If you do it fast, it'd be, wow, 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 you know. Yeah, exactly. I sort of go more for that, like, airplane taking off yeah. kind of sound. I also notice you have a... Is it a TU-2 or TU-3 tuner? Tuner. It's the TU-3. Yeah. And I've been using Boss tuners for years. And I I really like them because I find they're just always super consistent. Did you have the TU-2 before the TU-3? Yeah, I did. Yeah. And then when I updated, you know, updated my my latest pedal board setup, that's when I got the TU-3. But if you're doing a gig with Prince, you probably just hand your guitar to your tech and they tune? Yeah, but um, throughout the set, sometimes I use like my, my whammy bar a lot. And oh, yeah. The guitars, my, my PRS stays in tune really well, but mm-hmm. if I'm just really go, you know, yeah. um, going for it, I, I definitely tune in between songs a lot. Or if there's sections where I'm laying out, I'll just step on the tuner and you know of course my sound is muted yep and just tune up make sure it's all good and then jump back in yeah and it's so easy to see on a dark stage and yeah and you get those and that's so important because you know like on stage sometimes you know the light lights will just totally go off dark yeah be like the end of a song goes pitch black um i i know that feeling where it's so dark on stage you have to count, your song's going to start off at the fifth fret, and you have to count up the frets, like being blind, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. It, yeah, I know yeah, that. It can, it can be pretty scary. Yeah. I mean, as a, as a little trick, sometimes, sometimes Todd might tackle, you know, put some glow-in-the-dark tape. <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, just because there are some times where it's, so completely pitch black you can't see everything anything right. at all you know right. and, and i might need to instantly start playing on like the ninth, uh, tenth fret or yeah yeah fret. yeah and you don't want to hit the ninth fret oh my gosh i'm one fret is worse than you know two yeah. frets away <laughs> yeah and i i also um have you know little pieces of glow in the dark tape on you know some landmark pedals on oh, my board like your tuner pedal yeah exactly. yeah that makes sense I also noticed, I think you have an RC30 loop, loop station. Yeah. What do you use that for? That I'm, you know, I experiment with a lot. I wanted to have that on my board 
to just be able to, you know, play something, record it, add a layer on top, and almost mm-hmm. build build a song on my own. Mm-hmm. You know, whether that's in performance or in practice. Like, yeah. it's really cool to be able to record something like a chord progression, and then in practice, use that looping station to like jam over top. I'm also a, a big like John Schofield and, and Bill Frizzell. Oh, cool. And I know that they incorporate a lot of loops in their solos, like while they're improvising. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, that's pretty cool too. Just being able to play like a little idea that would work against like a, a whole chord progression and have that loop while you continue to solo and play new ideas. What's next on your guys' schedule? Do you have gigs or is recording coming up? Yeah, we've been recording a ton this year. Um, We're working on just finishing up the album right now. Yeah. So we're all super excited about that. Um, Over the summer, we were on tour in Europe. We're learning a lot of new music still and just getting ready to go back out on the road. We're all just like so excited for for next year. And I can't Uh wait for everyone to hear the new music that we've been working on. So it must be awesome. You're in Paisley Park, which is total state-of-the-art. Yeah, there are a number of studios. Several rooms, yeah. Ton of, yeah, a ton of different consoles. Yeah, and it just it sounds so great. Do you get a chance to go back to uh, Canada? Um, every so often, just for some short visits, because mm-hmm. we've been just super busy this year. Do you miss hockey? And, Do I miss hockey? Yeah. That's a Canadian question. <laughs> <laughs> and are are your labels um, on food and stuff like that? Are they half French and half English? Yeah, for sure. Yes, got, you know, two official languages. Yeah, but well, I guess you get a little of the cold weather in uh, Minnesota that you have in Toronto. Okay? I would say it's a lot colder in Minnesota. But I, I've been in Toronto before in the snow, and it can get cold up there too. Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much for taking the time out and talking to me. Thanks so much, Paul. So you have an awesome rest of the day and all the best to you and the band. Awesome. Thanks so much. Lots of thanks to Donna Grantis for taking time out and talking to us. Thank you for using Cool Boss Gear. Remember, you can find out everything you want to know about Boss Effects, Boss Loopers, Digital Recorders, Tuners, Metronomes. It's all at BossUS.com. Paul Hansen saying, see ya. See ya.